0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Max Starks, Max Starks, Max Starks. and Maximo. Maximo. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome from the University of Florida. Tackle, Matt.
1: All right, Max Starks joins us now for an hour of Maximum Football. So you figure we have to get the absolute most out of this next hour. Just by definition, it's supposed to be maximum football. Max, how's it going?
2: I, I, I'm I'm, re- I'm ready to squeeze the juice. Let, right. let, let's let's do it. Let's do it. How are you, gentlemen? We're
3: doing well, man. What's on your mind though, right now, Max? as you're you know the, here we are. We're sitting on the outskirts of the football universe. What is the one thought you continue to have bombarding through your brain?
2: I just think about you know, the future of the quarterback position, right? (laughs) Why do you think about the future of the quarterback position? Because, you know, because I'm just looking at the amount of young guys that are in this championship weekend. Yeah. And there's not a lot of age separating any of them. And then all of the young talent that is still in this league – talking year six and under and thinking about back when i played like you know there was a clear dissemination you know in ages it was almost like it was almost like a food pyramid of football right um and you had, like, Brady and Manning up here. Drew Brees trying to get in that conversation. Then there was, like, the Eli category and the Philip Rivers of the world, right? And then Aaron Rodgers comes in. And there's just, like, all of these. Whereas this one, it feels like there's just more equitable talent across the board for the young guys. They don't look as young. They don't act as young. Um and it's just pretty cool. It's just pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just, just thinking about the future of how that looks and then also wondering, you know, the last position I feel like to really evolve in this whole process is offensive linemen. And what, what's our next evolutionary step in the sport of football? You know, what new things can be created? Because obviously we look at defense, right? You have hybrid players that are playing all over the place. You have edge rusher category, pass rush specialist categories for the defensive linemen. They're getting leaner, faster, quicker. But for offensive linemen, we're getting smaller but i it's like where is that where is that next step that they take what what becomes you know the cool thing remember we had, used to have like the tight and the strong tackles and guards. Yes, where they, they literally would go to the strength and the weak side, like yes. like I mean, th- you think about that. Like that's the only thing in that and going overload with an offensive line. Like really, where's the innovation for offensive line? So so that's was that's what's been on my mind as far as I
3: say. The look at Trent Williams. Look at Trent Williams and how the 49ers use him from time to time. That's very interesting. But
1: I digress. All right, so Max, yeah. you you walked in, walked right into this. We uh, had this a version of this conversation earlier. And we decided. Okay, you know, looking at some of these lists from before the season. You know, who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL? The reason Wolf and I had this discussion is it kind of feels like there has been a little bit of a shift at the top. So if I asked you to rattle off your top five quarterbacks, and I'll give you mine just as sort of a reference board since we're springing yeah. this on you. Uh, how, how would you have them? Because for me, I went Herbert five, Jalen Hurts four, although he may move up in the next couple weeks. Josh Allen three, Joe Burrow two, Patrick Mahomes one. Do you disagree with any of that? And, and how volatile is it with the way Josh Allen finished the season? you know i i think you're still you're in a good
2: place i i, I think i would probably argue the semantics that after this weekend you know you could see that jump for jalen hurts just because he's been so impactful so tremendous i probably put him in front of uh josh allen just because you know as it goes right now it looks very similar to philip rivers um Yeah, that and that and that's that's the zone you don't want to fall in. But it's like I have all these great numbers. There's always these great high expectations, and then something happens. There's always a but. There's always an until. There's always well, if this didn't happen, in case you know, there's always something with it. Whereas Joe Burrow, honestly, would probably if they win again, you know, Joe Burrow would would have gone four and zero against Patrick Mahomes. And last two being at home for, you know, you know, for actually, actually the last three, I apologize. The last three, because the AFC championship game last year was yes. there and they yeah. beat them. Yes. And then they quit the regular season and beat them. And if you go there again, it will no longer be Chiefs kingdom. It will be Bengals kingdom that leases time to the Chiefs when the Bengals are not there. Yes. Um, if it happens. So you would argue that Joe Burrow might squeak past Patrick Mahomes. Uh,
1: in, See, in, this in that lineup is, at the top five. Yes,
3: this, is, this is my struggle right now. It is Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. It is. <laughs> you,
1: have Burrow, you don't have Burrow one though yet, right? No, I do I, not. I, I, think
3: I Patrick are... Mahomes, number one. Um, I, I love his demeanor. I love who he is, but Joe Burrow's got a lot of that something-something that you know, Max, is really important I think at the quarterback position. It's not a guarantee. and You, you don't have to have a huge amount of swag to be an excellent quarterback, but Joe burrell got a little bit of that. And to your point in regard to the Bengals and how well they match up against the Kansas City Chiefs, the fact that they have never trailed entering the fourth quarter the last three times they've played the Kansas City Chiefs, last three times they've played them, they've never trailed going into the fourth quarter. And they've won all three of those games. That That is... That that's we talk about when somebody else has got
2: your number. That's Exhibit A right there. Yeah, that's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. And you want to and you want to see that match. We now we thought this matchup was going to be Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, but we have not gotten that. Joe Burrow said. Hold up, hold up a second. I, I got something to say about this. And then we thought, oh, it's going to be Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. That has yep. not happened. Joe Burrow has been the one that has really been through the ashes and through the fire of this of this Chiefs Bengals matchup, and has come out on top each and every time. And so, whereas the other ones are good, and that's and why I think also the quandary of all these equitable quarterbacks right and and where they are and their emergences but it's still I mean right now episode four right Joe Burrow Burrow Mahomes in, in,
1: in, out there in Kansas City I think is is going to be the lead story for some years to come well, it's it's crazy because, for me, I spend a lot of, of watching Brady and Manning thinking, like, what I'm watching, Peyton Manning looks like the better quarterback. But Brady kept winning. Yes. And so if, yep. if Joe Burrow goes in there and, and beats the Chiefs this weekend, which I think is going to happen, you know, I'm still probably going to look at that and say, okay, Mahomes is hurt. Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. Uh, Mahomes has been there. It, to me, Mahomes is still going to be number one. But the crazy thing about this is three of these guys on this list have a chance to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of weeks. So if Joe Burrow wins a Super Bowl in a couple of weeks here in Glendale, or if Jalen Hurts wins a Super Bowl, he, I, I'm with Max. He probably moves up to number three. There's so many like football lists in the off season that are just kind of like, okay, what, what is the point of this? But this one, we're talking about the best quarterback in the league right now, yeah. and the fact that it's, it's legitimately changing right before our very eyes. That, that to me is, is pretty interesting, especially because one of these guys is about to get a Super Bowl ring, and Josh Allen, to Max's point is kind of in the Phillip River zone, at least for another year, if he's going to have to watch somebody else win a Super Bowl ring, which is not a great spot to be in. All right, Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty. 20 right now. We come back, uh, we'll get into the Dan Quinn stuff, the coaching situation, how quickly that could be changing, I don't know, in the next 24 hours four hours? Yeah. We're going to talk to uh, to Max Starks about that. Maximum Football continues next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thanks.
0: Arizona Sports Dark. Max Starks. Max Starks. Max Starks. Maximum for Maximum for, Maxima. for Max. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce. Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to HigherPrice.com That's HigherPrice.com
1: Welcome back to the show. We've got Max Starks here for Maximum Football. And Max, we've been obviously talking a lot of head coaching carousel. One of the names that has really emerged, I would say, it wasn't even really much of the conversation a week ago when we talked to you, has been Dan Quinn. And I want to start there with you, because obviously you're connected up and down the National Football League and just in that football world. It has been impressive and and somewhat surprising how many people have so many good things to say about Dan Quinn and I know typically when a guy is up for coaching positions you know there's there's always there's not going to be a whole lot of people coming out bashing him but it just feels like this guy's reputation around the NFL is about as high as it could be in terms of coaching acumen for a guy that isn't a head coach yet we played the clip earlier of Larry Fitzgerald from a couple months ago saying he'd be my number one choice you know we we've, we've heard from different cowboys reporters you hear from different players and coaches around the league about oh yeah no, Dan Quinn should and will be a head coach um what what's just your impression of Dan Quinn uh from from my <clears throat> time being around and and
2: and like you said conversing with other individuals i feel like it is It has been something that's been consistent is that Dan Quinn, when he was relieved of duties from the Atlanta Falcons, um, it was only a matter of time. You know, the Atlanta Falcons and their decision to let him go um, was more so they felt it was staleness on their part, even though, you know, you made it to the Super Bowl. And yes, you did have one of the largest comebacks in Super Bowl history. You got there as a franchise and I think the players respect Dan Quinn a whole heck of a lot and then like you said executives and guys who have worked with him in the past have said glowing things about him um, you know reporters up in Seattle talked about Dan Quinn for years like man it's only a matter of time for this guy gets his shot got his shot had mixed results but he still had a, a highlight making it to the Super Bowl so you know, for Dan Quinn, this was only a matter of time. Um, the, you know, my biggest question is when you think about him and the fit with the Cardinals, um, it's really going to come down to who he brings on the offensive staff that can manage expectations yeah. and manage the offensive side of the ball. Because you had such an offensive-centric-minded coach that – Catered to it and was was used to it and was enveloped in it. That you know, to go for a defensive-minded coach, who is he going to trust to handle the offensive side of the ball? And I'm sure he'll be more democratic in his time, right? He'll be more of a true head coach. But who he picks and who he brings on that staff is really going to matter. Does that resonate with the guys on that side of the ball? The leaders on that side, the players whichever ones are left um will they resonate with that so a big job for him to really show what his depth of his his pull is to find the right guys that will fit in properly but dan quinn as a head coach i love it i i mean larry would know more than i but at the same time i have to say that you know on the optic side of it i mean it makes some sense i don't know if it's the perfect fit but it is a good fit
3: Max, does it feel like the shine has come off of
2: Sean Payton just a little bit here, and if so, why? You know, I, I, I don't understand. The only barrier I can see Wolf would be monetarily. Yeah. What is he asking? And is it truly a king's ransom? That's the only thing I can think that would be a caution or somebody to put, you know, some type of little asterisk next to Sean Payton's name. Because when it comes to the skill, the resume, the personality, all of those things check the boxes. Compensation would be my only caveat that could possibly be a deterrent, which I thought it would, would be here for what Sean Payton would command.
3: Monetarily, of course, and the compensation for the Saints
2: as well. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Double, Double compensation. Yep. <laughs> yes.
1: Max, what do you make of this? We got this Ian Rappaport sound, on do like a half hour ago, and so we kind of reacted to it in the moment, but I want to get your thoughts on it, too. This is from NFL Now talking about Sean Payton's the coaching search and, and how he's fitting into it right now.
4: When this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then they coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point, and if you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those places. First of all, the Carolina Panthers were interviewed, where he already interviewed, have Frank Reich uh, and Steve Wilkes along with Kellen Moore, in for second-slash-first interviews there. That seems to be the list as of now. You have the Denver Broncos who seem to be focusing their attention elsewhere. Not saying he's out, But they do seem to be focusing elsewhere. You have the Houston Texans, who have not yet requested a second interview with Sean Payton. And then he's going to the Arizona Cardinals for a first interview. That is going to be tomorrow, assuming they get through the Dan Quinn interview and make no moves today. So what am I saying, Mike Garofalo? I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see. But it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now.
1: All right. So, Max, this is the two things that jump out to me when I hear that one it's uh it seems to be more and more likely that maybe he just does this again next year and and waits for you know Dallas or the Chargers or some other job to open up like that but the second thing is if the Arizona Cardinals really want him it sure seems like Sean Payton's available right now we're 2 weeks into this he hasn't signed with anybody else yeah, no. If you want him, you can go get him. But buyer beware.
2: You still got you still got to deal with the, with, the, with those folks down there in New Orleans, and maybe that is what the barrier is for a lot of these other teams, and why they could why they didn't proceed further. So that's what I'm thinking. Reading to the tea leaves, I'm sure they, the other teams wanted to, but they also saw what that price tag was. You know, coupled with what. Sean Payton would would require is what the Saints would require to retain the services of Sean Payton. That makes it really tough.
3: So, Max, how much stock do you put into the fact that Dan Quinn has been in the league for over 20 years, of course, and he's been with six different organizations and the ability to build a coaching staff? The last coaching staff that he was on, we went over this. It was incredible to see it. It basically was a who's who amongst future head coaches in the National Football League. Uh, I think there's something to that as well. Do you?
2: No, I think it is. I mean, there, there, there's something special about true leaders of men. They bring the best out of those that they surround themselves with. They elevate their game, which in all, which in essence elevates all those around them, and it forces them to be better and more accountable. And therefore, when you have that type of environment, yes, it's ripe for other head coaches because, you know, that's why we get into the whole coaching tree and where these guys came from because it matters. Like, coaching trees matter Yeah. <clears throat> when teams are evaluating these. What, which tree did he come from? Did he come from Parcells, right? Did he come from here? Did he come from Belichick? Did he come from Saban? Oh, did he come from my? Where, where did they come from? Where are all these different coaches coming from? They all matter because all of those things lend the influence that that coach is going to have already in his mindset but also how he inflects into the, into those y- young men as well when they're leading them so i think it's that combination and that balance that you must have between you know where he's come from and who he's bringing along with him
1: max And I know there's no definitive answer to this, but why do you think we are over two weeks into this and none of these five teams have hired a head coach? And at least a team like the Cardinals, you can look at and say, okay, well, they just, they just moved on from Cliff two weeks ago. Some of these teams like Carolina and certainly Indianapolis, and I would imagine to a certain extent even Denver, have known they were going to be looking for a coach for a long time.
2: Got to wait for D'Amico Ryan to get free. Just joking. No, um,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you have to think that there, 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 there's a number of coaches who are on these teams that are progressing towards a Super Bowl, right? Steichen as well, out of, out of Philly. I'm sure they want to take a stab at him and. So, I think that that's the reason why a couple of these teams are kind of banking on some of those coaches. Now, they have requested for them, but I don't think they can ask for a second until, you know, after this weekend, they'll decide how they're going to proceed. Because if they are going for a Super Bowl, that's a little bit longer delay. But if the, you know, championship weekend is the end of it, then they'll obviously have a lot more leeway. So, I think that's kind of part of it. And the other ones, we're just waiting to see the dust cell. I mean, there's a, there, there, there are what? Um, well, now after Bill O'Brien going yesterday, what are 10 offensive coordinator positions still wide open? I want to say. Yeah, I think you're um, right. There actually. was 13, there was 13 at one point. So, I mean, when you look at that, that, that makes it, woo, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be filled. Not only staffs, but, High-ranking positions on teams that are stable, so it, so it's it's one of those things. There's a lot of vacancies, and I think a lot of indecision on, on a lot of people's parts. And I think after Championship Weekend, you start to get a little bit clearer picture.
1: All right, we come back. We'll get back to the stuff that's happening on the field. What is Max's biggest takeaway from the NFL playoffs been so far? And who would he like to see in the Super Bowl in Glendale in a couple weeks? Maximum football continues. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Cool. In sports. Max Starts. Max Starts. With Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to HigherPrice.com. That's HigherPrice.com. All right, we
1: got the final four set, obviously. The NFL. I don't think anybody's jumping in their car right now. and be like, what? We well, you know who the final four teams are. Uh, I think everybody already knew that. But Max Starks joining us here for Maximum Football. Uh, Max, I look at these two games and, and to me, they are going to be potentially two very distinctly different games in the sense that the AFC Championship looks like a matchup of, I would say, the two best quarterbacks in football. Uh, we don't know how healthy Patrick Mahomes is going to be, but I assume he's going to play. Then over the NFC, You've got the Eagles and that high-flying offense, and they have a good defense too, but a high-flying offense against that just ridiculous defense the 49ers have. Where do you want to start? Because to me, these are probably the four most deserving teams to be here, and I don't think we usually get that. Usually one or two teams that maybe doesn't belong sneaks in. I don't think that's the case this year.
2: No, I I, I don't think so either. I mean, it's what... It's one. It's one versus two, and one versus three. Uh, so, I well, mean, and, and a, a
1: combined thirty-nine and four since Halloween. These four teams, and one of the losses was the Chiefs to the Bengals. So you could kind of toss that one
4: out.
2: Yeah. So um, I, I just think it's it's when you look at it, it, it it's. It's really remarkable that the best, cause usually, you know, there's that Cinderella team, right? That team that was maybe a, fr- you know, on the fringe that probably could have won the division that didn't. So therefore they were the high seed. You know, it was the Dallas's of the world. Um, that it was like, oh, that team might be able to squeak into it, but. No. I mean, the te- these teams are all good for a reason. All these teams are riding win streaks um, as well. Uh, no- none bigger than San Francisco, right? Uh, you know, when you look at, when you're in the double-digit win streak category, it's that's pretty special. That means you have not lost that often, and the reason why is because for unforeseen circumstances such as weather, and such. But um, no, I, I'm excited to see both. And both these games are awesome matchups. I mean, like you said, there's the killer offense, which is which is Philadelphia's versus the killer defense, and then you have on the AFC side, you have two juggernauts that match Mm -hmm. up well that have gone against each other that are both high-flying offenses and i would actually say the defenses are comparable with a slight edge to cincinnati because because of their pass rush capability so it's it's just they're two very well balanced games that look to be rock solid right they look like teams that match up great against each other
3: so when you look in the nfc right now what is the fulcrum point for that game what do you think if you had to boil it down as i hit you with a producer question right here max you can't have two (laughs) you can't have three you're ridiculous what's the one thing you think will turn the tide the one matchup in this game against the the eagles and the 49ers what is that
2: Ooh, this is a good one. I'm glad you asked this one, Producer Wolf. Um, <laughs> it you makes know, you think, doesn't I, it? I, well, it does because, I mean, I, there, there's a bunch of micro matchups that yes. I really want to see because it's going to be... Fred Warner versus Jalen Hurts and how he reads him. But then also on that right side of the line, Lane Johnson versus Nick Bosa would be another premium beat. See, for me, can show. I
3: just jump in and tell you the Eagles yeah. pass rush in Brock Purdy?
2: Yeah, I mean, but that's too broad. I'm giving you an ex- specific one. I want the <laughs> want the mono-y-mono. You wanted the mono, I see. Yeah, yeah, of okay, course you I, did. You yeah, brought I mean, God here, that here. you are. Yeah, exactly, because I mean, I could obviously say the the first defense in NFL history that has 10 plus sacks with four, from four different guys on the team. Yes, that pass rush is ferocious, and that doesn't even include Fletcher Cox in there. He's not one of the 10 sackers. It's the other four guys, Brandy Graham, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, and everybody else. But I think even more fine-tuned, it has to be that cerebral chessboard match between players. And so that's what I was looking at. Mm. Was those individuals and how they can play, because both of them will know the play, right? Fred Warner's going to know the play, Jalen Hurts going to know the play for their respective sides. How do I implement these pieces and how do I read that guy and see where when it, where his bluff is? That's one that I think is going to be
1: a premium mono mono matchup. Good stuff. Alright, this feels weird. I'm going to play this audio clip. This is the first time I've done this since everything at ASU. This is Herm Edwards talking about how the 49ers can stop Jalen Hurts. This is This is going to be strange. Okay, Okay, I'm going to just click the button and move on with my life.
0: What do you do to stop it? Do you bring the safety out of the middle of the defense when he starts that RPO process going to the side? And if you do, that's great, but understand this. If he pulls it and he throws it down the middle of the field, no one's at home. That's Mm -hmm. the problem. He balances the field. He makes it 11-on-11 football. 49ers are good enough, though, defensively to do some things. Those linebackers, you talk about run, hit, and shed blocks. That one guy, that fifty-four fella, ooh, boy, he's really good. They are a fast defense. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, they run from sideline to sideline. This is going to great. Going to be a great matchup,
4: guys.
1: Now, I'll be honest. There's a lot of other questions I'd like to ask Herm Edwards before that one of how the 49ers stopped Jalen Hurts about college football. Yeah. Max, what you heard right there, what do you think of that? Because the 49ers, this, this matchup is so difficult for me to figure out. Like Chiefs-Bengals, I feel like the Bengals are going to win. Eagles-49ers, I would not feel comfortable picking against that Niners defense at all And yet, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles had the best record for a reason.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, and this is what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to seeing who that premium matchup is going to be. Whose fortune favors the bold? You know, can Brock Purdy keep up with the pace that Jalen Hurts is going to be? Is Jalen Hurts truly, you know... In a better place post-shoulder injury, has he healed enough? And can he stabilize himself enough? Because he's going to have to throw himself out of some situations. They're not going to be able to just run roughshod like they did against the New York Giants a week ago through Leonard Williams and, uh, and and Dexter Lawrence last week. Like, this is going to be a tougher crew. And then that Philadelphia Eagles pass rush, you still got to get past Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. Um so there there's a lot where both of these these lines are built to neutralize each other. So the question is which, which side of the damn cracks first, right? You know, <laughs> um, is it going to be the San Fran side or is it going to be the Philly side? Because I think it's both fantastic offenses, but Brock Purdy is your X Factor because he's so young and we've seen him be a little bit more human and not otherworldly like he has been most of the season. We've seen the ups and downs of rookie quarterback play, so does the rest of the team support him in that moment if he does turn back to a mere mortal?
3: So I have to ask you right now, we've been talking an awful lot about- about About the championship weekend coming up here, who do you think is actually going to be in the Super Bowl? What do you see the Super Bowl
2: matchup being, and why? All right, let's see. Let's let's go with my best PC. See if I can annoy Wolf. Answer. Um, I think that you know what Wolf. I think it's the team that ha- that scores more points than the other. one. So I think that team <laughs> will be the best equipped. You don't like predictions, either? Month. Is that what you're saying? I'm not a huge prediction fan, you yeah. know. But but I do. But I but I, because I love this matchup so much, I don't want to rush that process. Right? I want to yeah. enjoy Sunday. Yeah. Because I don't want to give. I want. I don't want to cheapen That's that a experience great when, I, when I sit down and watch it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. You wa- I want to see good games. That's what yeah. I want to see. But you know, and I think that's we're what gonna I feel like like it's going to see good games. It's
2: going to be uh, they're going to be I I feel like the both of these teams are so well matched. It's going to be amazing to see how they crack each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be amazing to watch. It's like watching a Rubik's Cube contest, right? Who can, who, can, who can put the cube together the fastest out of the jumble?
1: And it's going to be interesting. And I, I, I'm, just, I'm just excited for Sunday. It better be better than watching a Rubik's Cube contest. I will be disappointed on Sunday if it's like that, Max. Uh, no, look. It, it's, I would be excited. I love Rubik's Cubes. <laughs> Have
2: you seen when they start doing the, the you know, not only the, just the little three-by-threes, but you get the four and the five-by-fives? I mean, those are crazy. Yeah, That sounds scintillating.
1: I can't imagine any of these games being lopsided unless Patrick Mahomes is, like, you know, too hurt to play. Or he goes out there and hobbles through two series, and then we see a lot of Chad Henney. Otherwise, I mean, Bengals Chiefs should... Come down to which quarterback makes a play at the end, which is what we all want to see. Yeah. And Eagles 49ers, man, usually when we get to this point, to me, the Super Bowl prediction with four teams left is you almost just kind of close your eyes and who do you see getting there? And I'll be honest, I keep seeing Cincinnati and Philadelphia, but I cannot in good conscience pick against the 49ers. I just can't. I,
3: because of that defense right there. For me, honestly, uh, the, the matchup of Brock Purdy... <laughs> I'm sorry, the matchup of Brock Purdy against that number one rated pass rush of the Philadelphia Eagles, number one in sacks per attempt, and they turn over their opponent via interception as well. Number six in the league in interception ratio, the Philadelphia Eagles. Is this the game It finally catches up to Brock
1: Purdy? All I can tell you is the final score of that game is going to be 24-20. I just can't tell you who wins. That's all I can tell you. Is that good enough? Is that anything? (laughs) No, it isn't. Well, I tried. All right, we come back. Mel Kiper Jr. has released his first mock draft of the year. So who does he have the Cardinals taking at number three? And what does he say about that pick? He had pretty strong words, actually. And does Max Starks agree? We'll get into all that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local
0: sports leader. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. He played tackle in the NFL for more than a decade. Matt Starks. Matt Starks. maximum, Matt Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty, East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Please welcome, from the University of Florida, tackle, Matt Starks.
1: final hour of the show here on a Wednesday final segment with uh, with Max Starks who joins us every Wednesday for Maximum Football. And we're going to look a little NFL draft. I know this is something we can do quite a bit in the coming months, but considering you know, there's so many mock drafts that come out now, Wolf, but there's a couple that immediately when there's a new version of those, or in, in the case of this one, the first one of the year, it gets your attention. And Mel Kuyper Jr. is uh, at the top of that list. So he put out his uh, initial mock draft, remember, 31 picks in the first round this year because Miami had to forfeit theirs uh, for tampering violations. So that impacts the Cardinals because that means your second round pick is pick 34 instead of 35. He goes through. He has Jalen Carter out of Georgia going to Chicago at one. He has C.J. Stroud going to Houston at 2, which is a bit of a surprise to some people. And then, Max, he has Will Anderson going to the Cardinals at 3. And his last sentence, they do a little write-up every time. His last sentence is, quote, this would be a home-run pick for Monty Asenfort and company, unquote. Now, Max, I know you watch a lot of college football because you cover a lot of college football, which is why you never oh, yeah. sleep. What What? can you? Uh, what, what, what's your reaction to, to that line about Will Anderson? And just what can you tell us about Will Anderson? In general, oh, yeah, he would be a no-brainer.
2: First and foremost, Uh, he's a guy that I identified as easily probably one of the best plug-and-play guys to make the jump from college to pro. Um, His skill set—the dude is tenacious. He 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 uses his hands really well. He's always moving towards the quarterback, which I love. You know, no matter what the hand fighting is. He's always moving his feet in the direction of the quarterback. And he's explosive. I mean, the guy's explosive off the line. I think when you're talking about Cardinals' needs this this is one of those obvious needs. Once you decided to move on from Chandler Jones, and even while Chandler Jones was here at certain points, you needed the opposite pass rusher. Now you need the main pass rusher to then build the... Because we have the auxiliary guys, but you need the focal point guy. The guy who's going to draw the double teams and can possibly defeat those double teams. And... I think this is one where you think about how Kayvon Thibodeau translated well in his rookie year coming from Oregon, going to the Giants. I think Will Anderson is even a bigger version of that. I think a better, more all-time type of player versus Kayvon Thibodeau, who kind of takes plays off at times. I think Will Anderson is the one that actually is more consistent. From my time watching him at Alabama, that's what he's always been. He's been the focal point for like the last two years on that defense.
3: So talk to me a little bit about Jalen Carter. Who do you think – I know it's – Possible to say this, but Jalen Carter, would you rather have a dominant three technique or a great edge guy? What would you rather have? Because for, okay, I feel like we did
1: witness here to be I, honest. Well, okay, uh, I, I yeah. just,
3: I'll let you answer.
2: Okay, so I love Jalen Carter, but I feel like I, I I wanted Jordan Davis a year ago. Um. I think Jalen Carter's good. I think he showed moments where he has been unstoppable. But I don't know if he's going to bring that every play. This isn't Aaron Donald we're talking about, right? This is a very big standard issue three technique that is physical at the point. I, if I'm the Cardinals right now, as much as I chagrin and talk about the run defense of this team and needing to have the interior bolstered, I think with this high a pick, I would rather put my money on Will Anderson than Jalen Carter.
3: Okay, there you oh. go. right there. But, but that got a little bit personal. Just theoretically, overall, would you rather a dominant free technique to me is the most dominant force in the football universe. So to me, oh, yeah. that's the one thing that I feel like Jalen Carter has going for him.
2: Yeah, well, I th- and, and, he, and he's going to draw a lot of attention, but just from the film that I've watched and the games I've called with him, uh, there's moments where you forget he's on the field. And if you're going to be a Her. dominant type yeah. of three technique, uh, yeah. I, I want Jordan Davis type, type of scariness. <laughs> I want I want nightmares to be created off of this, right? I like that. And, and, and that's what I don't see. In fact, I would even, say, I would even argue Devontae Wyatt as well. Mm-hmm. I would have taken a Devontae Wyatt. I mean, Jalen Carter's good, and when you're thinking about this year's crop, he's the best of the crop. Yeah. But... I don't know if I can say that for me seeing him, that I would say, yep, that's a guy I need immediately over a Will Anderson, who I've seen as well.
3: Because Will Anderson is a baller. That guy that guy loves yeah. the game, and he plays the game the way that it should be
1: played. So, Max, the other wrinkle here, obviously, is Monty Austin Ford comes from that Patriots mentality of, hey, let's, t- let's take this one pick and turn it into three picks, and we'll take one of those and turn it into three more picks. That, that group where it's like, if you grant them three wishes, they use their third one on three more wishes. <laughs> if and especially yeah. with the good. the desperation that teams have for quarterbacks, there's there's no way this draft unfolds where Jalen Carter or Will Anderson isn't there for the Cardinals at three. They might both be there. But if you were getting offered yeah. uh you know, trade packages and they will, I'm sure, for that third pick, would you would you look at that? Would you be hesitant because Will Anderson has been so good or you know, what's your mindset there? Well, it just depends on how far back I have to fall right
2: um that's going to be always the key because you don't want to lose the play on Will Anderson so is it moving back two spaces because you got two teams that want quarterbacks mm-hmm. or is it moving but if you're moving back one space that team I don't know why they would want to trade up with you if they know you're not picking a quarterback. Yeah. Or it's just the fear that somebody else is trying to get to to that place and they just want to make the jump to secure it. That That's where that's where the Bonnie Austin-Fort chess game and shell game begins. I need him to pull a John Lynch, right? You know, where you, you shell him for the number two Mr. Trubisky pick. Like, that. that's the one, the ultimate fleece one. So, you know, if that deal's coming by, then you're like, okay, I can't pass it. But I would think think more hay would be made in that day 2 and flipping some picks cuz there's a lot of teams with multiple day 2 picks that maybe you can turn that that one into two, possibly three more picks.
1: Yeah, it's a great it's a great point, And, and that's something Cause there's we'll only talk about.
2: Because <laughs> there's only 31 picks in the first round, guys. Remember yeah, that? So, yeah. that second because pick. Miami forfeits, so that second pick is still a first-round great guy up there.
1: It, it basically is. And I'm just looking as you're talking at some of these teams that they might be able to, to fleece in a, in a deal for a quarterback that, you know, like you said, the Colts pick right behind them, but like Seattle picks five, the Raiders pick seven, the Panthers pick nine. So if you could play those teams off each other, maybe even off Indianapolis, this uh, could get real interesting. Max, great stuff man. Always good to have you stop by. We'll talk to you again next
0: week. My pleasure. You guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you, brother. You too. That's uh Max Starks.